Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Back a number of years ago, seven years ago, in this month, but in 2012, there was a terrible terrorist attack in Toulouse, France. And there was a Jewish or Hebrew, if you will, school that was targeted. And a beautiful, precious little girl, eight-year-old Miriam Monsenego, who was the daughter of the headmaster, the principal, Rabbi Yaakov Monsenego, was assassinated with a gun put to her head by a destroyer who had committed a number of different terrorist attacks against French soldiers. This time, he pulled up to this school, got off of his scooter, and using an automatic submachine gun, let loose and resulting in the murder of a rabbi and teacher and his two young sons. And then he went on into the school, found this little girl in the courtyard, cornered her, and again put a gun to her head. His submachine gun had stopped working, so he was using a handgun at that point. But... This particular attack, the French responded by shutting down the schools, shutting down religious locations, churches, synagogues, and what have you. There was a response of horror. And the government of France immediately thought that perhaps three neo-Nazis were responsible for this course of attacks. Two attacks against soldiers, soldiers of North African origin, And then this attack on this Hebrew school. Why would they think such a thing? Well, there were three men who were sacked from the army in 2008. Four years preceding this, after a photograph emerged showing them making Nazi salutes in front of a swastika. But while that was the first reaction of the French, to me it seemed very strange. And the reason it seemed very strange, and I don't know what the outcome was, what seemed very strange about it to me was this, is that Adolf Hitler, as Nazi as you can get after all, right? 
he worked hand in glove with Islamists throughout the Middle East. And I would imagine that targeting men who were in the army, who were of North African origin, that the chances would be very high of any number of them being Muslims. So it didn't really ring true to me that this would be neo-Nazi. Rather, it seemed more likely to me, even though here they were targeting a Hebrew school, it seemed more likely to me that this was Islamist terror. Now, why would Islamist terror target Muslim men? Well, if these Muslim men were linking arms with the French government in the military and ostensibly being used against Islamic terror, then I would think that would be a natural fit, a natural target. But again, I don't know what came of this. I do know some statements that were made by then-President Nicolas Sarkozy, who was campaigning versus his socialist challenger, Francois Hollande. And Narcozzi said the following, quote, barbarism, savagery, cruelty cannot win. Hate cannot win, end quote. Additionally, he said, Quote, this act is odious and cannot remain unpunished, end quote. Well, I will check to see what's, what has come of this investigation since then. But this bravado, the barbarism, savagery, cruelty, hatred cannot win, really, what do you base that on? Now, you know, what is your historical perspective? Depends on your definition of win, too, which reminds me of a certain former president who had the brazenness when being questioned to say that it depended on what the definition of is is. Well, here, a question would be, what is winning? You could say, and Nicholas Sarkozy would say, then that Adolf Hitler did not win, that Joseph Stalin did not win, that Mao Zedong did not win, that Pol Pot did not win, Idi Amin did not win. Yasser Arafat did not win, but they slaughtered vast, vast, vast multitudes. And they caused additional multitudes to be slaughtered via (laughs) causing World War II with regard to Adolf And Stalin with his outreaches, if you will, (laughs) 
his expansionist communist agenda. But they cannot win. You know, this is something that I would expect to come out of George W. Bush, writer George or the late George Herbert Walker Bush. Evil cannot win, really. The history of mankind going back very near the beginning is that evil has prevailed over and over and over and over again. And evil will ultimately prevail in the very near future over the entire world with the first and only successful evil worldwide regime until the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. What has changed is this, is that whereas then-President Sarkozy, not to be confused with Francois Hollande, nor with the current president, Emmanuel Macron, but then-President Nicolas Sarkozy, and they would all say the same kind of thing, He said, this act is odious and cannot remain unpunished. What has changed is punishment. What has changed is the absolute elimination of deterrent. What has changed is reason on the part of educated, knowledgeable, informed people. Reason doesn't exist any longer. Now what passes for punishment is arresting monstrous, heinous destroyers and putting them in jail for a few years. Just as has taken place in Norway. You remember that monstrous massacre on this island at this youth camp by this destroyer who gained access to the island and used automatic weapons and slaughtered multitudes and multitudes of young teenagers. And the Norwegian police, they arrested him. He was charged. He was tried, prosecuted, tried, convicted, and sent to jail where he has received VIP treatment. (laughs) And they call that punishment. And one day he will be released, and he will be free to do it again. That's what has changed. The United States of America is condemned by the likes of the current Papa, the head of the papacy, the Vatican, for being, you know, so backwards and so cruel and all of this, barbaristic, you know, just like Sarkozy's statement here, that the United States of America functions, it's, it's barbaristic, savage, cruel in executing monstrous destroyers. <laughs> when in fact... 
the barbary, the barbarism, the savagery, the cruelty, is that there is no punishment of the evil. I'm not talking about justice. Executing a monstrous destroyer is not justice. It is far too inadequate to amount to justice. One who has deliberately, premeditatedly, or not, just on the spur of the moment, in other cases, slaughtered, good and kind, honest, honorable, noble, gentle people, elderly people, people in their prime, young people, young adults, children, young children, babies, that the destroyers of these should then not even be subject to execution, except in the most extreme cases. And you will see this, that they will, you know, the various different news services, uh, their coverage, it will state that so-and-so could be subject to the death penalty for their other wording. Could. Not will, you know, if found guilty, will, but could, possibly, in 30 years' time, whatever. Well, this precious little girl, eight years old, a beautiful, beautiful little girl. She is in heaven, as are these two sons of this rabbi teacher, who were six years of age and three years of age, and three years of age. Yes, this great assassin destroyer slaughters a three-year-old boy, a six-year-old boy, and as beautiful an eight-year-old girl as you will ever see. That is the kind of thing that Islamist terrorists routinely do. That is the kind of thing that the Nazis would do. As far as where the adults might find themselves, whether in heaven, I'm having trouble believing that to be true for the simple reason that the only vestige of what may be termed Jewry as far as Hebrew faith if you want to call it faith, that recognizes, honors, worships, glorifies Jesus Christ is what is referred to as messianic Jewry. But, again, this was March 2012. Just over seven years ago. uh, By today's date, because this was back on the 19th of March, 2012. Meanwhile, more up to date, right? More up to date. I mean, after all, if they immediately succeeded, if the French immediately succeeded in capturing the one 
assassin who was identified with these three attacks, even though they're looking, they were initially they're looking for three men. If they located that one, and if they took him alive, as they undoubtedly would, and if they immediately prosecuted him, tried him almost instantaneously, and sentenced him and sent him off to prison, he might well be ready to be released. Now, it's been that long. It's been long enough that uh, he could absolutely (laughs) be being released. You know, put him in prison for five years. It'll make a new man of him. Again, something more current, though not more important, no more, nor more valid to be addressing, is this attack in this month, this year, in the Netherlands, in Utrecht, or Utrecht. A Turkish man is suspected. He did it, but, you know, that's how they report it. Anyway, this Turkish man murdered three wounded five. And he was trying to murder a relative on a tram. And then he shot at all of these others who were trying to help her. 37-year-old Turkish man living there in the Netherlands... Well, they didn't know whether there might possibly be terrorist connection. Islamist, yes. (laughs) Muslim, but whether it was a terrorist attack or whether it was intended to be an individual murderer and it just got out of hand, uh, that remained to be seen. But interestingly enough, this fellow who committed this murder, this Turkish man living in the Netherlands, living there for a protracted period of time, he had previous run-ins, as they said, with the police. That's right. There were previous issues concerning this man. What might those be? You know, maybe, I don't know, stealing hubcaps or something? No, it was actually for something a little more serious than that. He was known to police for crimes including shooting people in 2013. But, oh well. So, again, this is modern punishment. Don't deal with it. Don't eliminate the destroyers. Instead, allow them to commit monstrous, monstrous crimes over and over and over again. That's how it's done in modern Europe, modern UK. When I say UK, I'm usually referring to that great island, England, along with Wales and Scotland and so forth, but... For me, UK, 
United Kingdom also includes Canada, Australia, New Zealand, so forth, all of which operate <laughs> this, the same way when it comes to so-called justice. But staying in the Netherlands, more or less, perhaps you saw this tragic occasion, this young woman, Lottie van der Zee. She was Miss Teen Universe. She was pronounced the winner of that global pageant in 2017. I don't know how that works. I don't know if that mean, means then that she is that title holder for the year 2018 or, or, what, or for 2017 or if they overlap. But lo and behold, this precious young woman, she suffered a heart attack while on holiday, a skiing holiday, one day before her 20th birthday. A beautiful, wonderful young woman. And the Netherlands, I don't know how familiar you are with the Netherlands. Perhaps you recognize them by their orange Olympics uniforms, such as at the Winter Olympics or other such. But lo and behold, the Netherlands is at the forefront of so-called euthanasia. Physician-assisted suicide, so-called. Doctor-assisted so-called suicide. And the Netherlands, in its extremely enlightened way, not long ago, it extended legal protection for physician-assisted suicide, a.k.a. murder, down to the age of 18, for young people as young as 18 years of age. Yes. You know, if they are sufficiently depressed, discouraged, demoralized, perhaps they've been bullied, a doctor can help put them to death. Isn't that Wonderful and enlightened. That is so modern. That is so contemporary. But again, the Netherlands is on the cusp of this. Do such things occur elsewhere? Oh, yes. But the Netherlands has been absolutely on the cutting edge of euthanasia throughout these many, many decades. And this young woman... She was stricken, and she was rushed to a nearby hospital where she was put into a medically induced coma and then transferred to a specialist hospital in Munich, Germany. Munich, Germany, as far as I'm concerned, uh, the heart of the most beautiful part of Germany, not that I've ever been there, in the flesh, <laughs> Bavaria, 
But what is Munich associated with, among other things? What is it associated with other than the birth of the Nazi party and headquarters for Adolf Hitler? Absolute entrenched Nazi turf. But she was transferred to a specialist hospital in Munich, Germany. And I guess that the specialists did not succeed any too well because here such a short time later, her mother and perhaps other family members, father, so forth, made the decision to let her go. after she suffered so-called organ failure. They made the decision to let her go. Yes. So, by all means, that's the thing to do, isn't it? That's the way for modern, enlightened intellectual societies to operate, to behave. And the way it was described, it made it sound as if she slipped from a coma into death. But the coma was medically induced She was put into a coma. She wasn't in a coma. She was put into a coma. And then, a few days later, take her off of life support. She's not able to breathe for herself because she's in a coma. And she's gone. Lottie Vanderzee. 20 years of age. And no, the heart attack was not from a skiing accident. She had been out the previous night partying with friends and supposedly was no worse for wear, but then her mother found her in her room and she was suffering, feeling ill. Before I continue, let me say I'm Brad Thomas and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever is right or true or good or all of the above about this program is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever is lacking, erring, is due to me, is on me. Now, you have heard, I am sure, of that terrible mass murder committed at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. And there were 17 deaths. I don't know if the 17 was including the murderer. I am... (laughs) never cease to be amazed at how the wonderful news media likes to include the murderers with the victims, with those they have murdered on their death counts. But anyway, uh, 
stated that 17 died. But here we are, well after that attack, which I believe was 2018. And this young woman, who survived it unscathed outwardly, emphasis outwardly, Sydney Aiello, she took her life. Not physician-assisted, no, but she took her life, 19-year-old Sydney Aiello. Lovely young woman. 19 years of age, lovely figure of a young woman, and she couldn't go on. Well, it stated that she struggled with survivor's guilt. That's right, survivor's guilt. That she suffered feelings of guilt because she survived. Well, the overwhelming majority of the students in that school survived. But she felt guilt, and perhaps many others, over not having been murdered. She was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. And... She was afraid to be in college classrooms, understandably, after what took place in that terrible massacre. But guess what? This is 2019. This is not 1999. This is not 1979. There are online schools All over the map. She could absolutely, positively have taken college courses online. Oh, but why should she have to do that? I'm not saying she should have to do that. But if she was struggling with fear about going to classrooms on college campus... She could take a year off, two years off, four years off, and take classes online. Oh, but that's not as good a solution as killing herself, right? This young woman, unlike the eight-year-old girl that I referred to in the monstrous massacre at the Hebrew school in Toulouse, France, back in 2012, whom I stated is in heaven. I can state that categorically, this precious, innocent little girl is in heaven. I rather question whether this young woman is. And you're going to say, oh, because she killed herself. Well, there is that. But also, a photo that I saw of her as a grown young woman, She is a practitioner of yoga and kind of look like something out of uh, out of a Hindu uh, ceremony straight from India and with 
idols be prominent and being worshipped, as in Hindu idols, and then emblazoned on a shirt that she's wearing, it says evolution, evolution. My point is she's worshiping all the wrong things. Those are not things that result in eternal life, rather the contrary. And then there is the matter of taking her own life. There have been many tragic, monstrous instances of individuals, girls much younger than her, that have been pushed over the edge into taking their own lives by monstrous circumstances, having been gang-raped at parties in school, and then the gang rapists having videotaped these attacks and broadcasting them to everyone in school and online and what have you. And yet, of course, these absolutely monstrous young men, we don't believe in punishing them. That would be wrong. It would be wrong to take them out and execute them. That would be that would be heathen. That would be, you know, just barbaric, terrible. They should never be dealt with that way. Well, there was a day when they would have been. Back when society was not so corrupted and perverted that it had no concept of justice, nor recompense, none whatsoever. But this is a different matter. This young woman is an entirely different matter. She's much older. She was not personally attacked, vilified, degraded, shamed, so on and so forth. But she took her own life. And why would she take her own life? Well, apparently the gods she was worshiping, they... They did not comfort and console her. Now, that's not to say that Christians or professing Christians never take their lives. But I think maybe, just maybe, the outcome might have been different for this young woman if she was worshiping some other kind of God. This young woman who loved yoga. But it is tragic, nonetheless. Also, staying with Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School with that monstrous massacre at that school, staying there, if you will, Parkland, Florida. And yes, that attack was on Valentine's Day, which has come to be a favorite day for these school massacres. Have you noticed that? There's been one after another after another on Valentine's Day. It was on Valentine's Day 2018. But this woman, she reacted differently following the murder of her 14-year-old daughter, 
Alyssa. This woman, Lori, I, this pronunciation has got to be wrong. Alhadif, Alhadif, something like that. She ran for the local school board. She won. She started a nonprofit organization with which she raised money to equip schools, public schools, with bulletproof glass and emergency medical kits to stop bleeding. And here so recently, this February, she was in the state of New Jersey, a former home state of hers, while the governor signed a bill entitled Alyssa's Law, named after the precious daughter that she lost that fateful day. And Lori is seeking to have this law passed by other states. And it encompasses the following extremely important proviso provision that silent panic alarms to notify law enforcement in emergencies be installed in these schools. Now, why silent panic alarms, I ask? Uh, But as far as I'm concerned, it would be better to have panic alarms that are not silent, but there is a reason to have them be silent, and that is that children all the way up through their senior year of high school, children, young people, and then in colleges, have been taught, even if they do not instinctively respond this way, which they probably will, they have also been instructed when they hear alarms to flee the premises, to flee the school. And in various attacks, these attackers have, these murderous attackers have even gone so far as to set off alarms, cause things to cause alarms to go off so that the students will flee towards them. So I can understand this matter of silent panic alarms for sure, though I'm not 100% sold on silent panic alarms. But this woman, this mother, has done so much. And her nonprofit organization, Make Our Schools Safe, a very, very, very different response. Now, yes, this is a grown woman. This is a mother who lost a young daughter at that massacre at that school. But, again, this is a reasonable response. This is a praiseworthy response as compared to taking one's life. The Supreme Court of the United States of America 
Oh, that bastion of justice, of righteousness, of reason, logic, and with such deep devotion to the Constitution, the United States Supreme Court. Well, one decision that it came out with was that states may not execute prisoners who cannot rationally understand the reasons for their punishment. Well, that's reasonable, isn't it? Let's have judges, let's have doctors, let's have physicians, psychiatrists, psychologists, and other experts decide whether a murderer, a destroyer, a slaughterer can understand why they're being punished. Very, very learned indeed. And there is a certain Alabama man or Alabamian who has been in prison for so long after murdering a police officer by repeatedly shooting him in the back of the head back in 1985, has been in prison for so long that he has now had strokes and supposedly uh, is subject to dementia, which supposedly has wiped out his memory of having committed this murder. So therefore, it would be wrong to execute him now, <laughs> right? <laughs> 1985, 1995, 2005, 2015, 2019, okay? So here we go. He murders this police officer heinously 34 years ago. He's been in prison for ages. And now it would be wrong to execute him. Well, it would be wrong because he wouldn't understand what it's about. Well, what's wrong about it is this. What's wrong about this picture is this is that he wasn't executed decades ago. And instead, the citizens of the United States of America have been paying for his upkeep, his care, all of these decades. What about the widow of the police officer that he slaughtered? Well, that police officer... What was that police officer doing to deserve to be murdered? He was supervising moving this fellow from this fellow's former girlfriend's house. That's right. That is what was taking place when Vernon Madison pulled a gun and shot Julius Schulte in the back of the head, repeatedly. No, he certainly he certainly doesn't deserve punishment, does he? <laughs> well, just fascinating. I 
totally fascinating. But anyway, that's the way things are done in the justice system in the United States of America. So, the Supreme Court has ruled, as of last month, that... He should not be eligible for execution. Okay. Meanwhile, the Supreme Court is taking up a case. This case goes back a ways, not as far as 1985, but it goes back a ways. It goes back to 2002. There was a spree of assassinations of citizens that was committed by two men, one of whom was only 17 years of age, tender age of 17, Lee Boyd Malvo. And there was his leader, his mentor, John Allen Muhammad. Can't remember what his real name was. Maybe, maybe I can find it. But anyway, the elder was executed back in 2009, only seven years after this string of murders that really were assassinations, sniper shootings. And they were committed in the area known as the Beltway and outside of the Beltway. So Washington, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia areas that were adjacent to Washington, D.C., were near to Washington, D.C., And the United States Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit, it rendered a ruling last year that stated that while Lee Boyd Malvo's life without parole sentences were legal, at the time they were imposed that the United States Supreme Court had made decisions following that which changed the sentencing requirements for juvenile offenders. Oh, yes. Oh, our United States Supreme Court, hard at work, bringing justice to America. Interestingly enough, Lee Boyd Malvo, he received multiple life without parole terms. Isn't that comforting? You know, one such term won't do it. You know, you need lots of them, right? Right? So then they receive, oh, nine sentences or whatever, and they all are fitted together, coinciding, coincidentally they put them together, and so they, all of them put together two or three or four or ten or twenty, they have no more effect than one. Well, that's justice, isn't it? So if they have murdered ten people and they receive ten sentences, it's the same as if they murdered one. But again, life without parole, that was the justice that this young man received. But, again, Fourth Circuit Court 
rules, wait a minute, United States Supreme Court, it changed the law concerning sentencing. Therefore, it needs to be revisited. So there needs to be a resentencing of this young man to find out, to determine, is he one of the exceedingly rare juvenile offenders who can be sentenced to life without the possibility of parole because, and this is the requirement, that, quote, his crimes reflect permanent incorrigibility, end quote. Is he one of the exceedingly rare juvenile offenders who committed the heinous crimes that they did, that he did, because of permanent incorrigibility, incorrigibility? Or, or is he the more common case of a youth who has gone astray, whose crimes, quote, reflect the transient immaturity of youth, end quote. That's the question. Is he permanently incorrigible? <laughs> right? What do you think of when you hear that? I think of, I don't know, Dennis the Menace, yeah, something like that. You know, it is so mild. He's incorrigible, right? Since when does that pertain to mass murderers? Huh? But, but is he permanently incorrigible, or did he do these things due to the transient passing immaturity of youth? In which case... He deserves a sentence with parole. <laughs> okay. So something to look forward to as to whether this young man gets to be paroled sometime in the not-distant future. But isn't that wonderful? Yes. Did he commit these monstrous, heinous crimes because of the transient immaturity of youth. Meanwhile, another young man, a Connecticut man, he committed a crime spree including murder and attempted murder. Back in 2017, he was sentenced to 20 years in prison. Okay, He pleaded out of a dozen felony charges that could have resulted in a combined sentence of over 200 years in prison. Not that he would have received that. They would have put them all together, stacked them together. And, you know. But he asked for and received a sentence of 20 years. Meanwhile, he faces another murder charge for murdering a young man back in 2016 before this murder streak. Oh, well. Yes. <laughs> Just in the United States of America, we are not far behind 
the European and UK nations in their handling of the most vicious, terrible, violent crime. We are right there. And then finally, this young woman, precious young woman, Mujai Dumbuya, or Dumbaya, 16 years of age, was repeatedly raped and then murdered by this man, Quinn James. And what struck me about it was that he was finally arrested and charged with sexual criminal conduct. Okay? He pleaded not guilty, and he was released. Released on bond. Days after his arrest, he was ordered to have no contact with this young woman. She was scheduled to testify at the proceedings against him. But he kidnapped her, raped her, and murdered her. Thank you, court system. You really did right by this precious young 16-year-old woman. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.